Yeah, it is another episode of the MMA on Sirius XM podcast. Let's have some fun. We asked, what's next for Nate Diaz? He has about five years left of being able to be a draw. What is he going to do with it? Is he a bigger free agent than Brock Lesnar was? Hmm. Also, Hamzat Chemaev impresses yet again. Is his future at 170 or 185? And who's going to make that decision for him? Take a listen. I speak like Cantina Spanish. I can, you know, dos equis por favor, donde esta el baño, mas cebolla, you know. That's about it. But I'm also very fluent in promoter speak. And that's exactly what Nate was saying. When Nate had that mic next to Joe Rogan after he tapped out Tony Ferguson, what he was saying was, Nate Diaz is open for business. Nate Diaz is ready to receive your offers. Send contracts to Nate Diaz, whether it be MMA, from the UFC, boxing, cardio kickboxing, circus juggling, whatever. Nate Diaz is a free agent and he's open for business. Send me contracts. Just make sure there's a lot of commas and zeros behind whatever number you choose. Nate Diaz is one of the biggest free agents right now in MMA history. Maybe not since Brock Lesnar. Has there been a bigger free agent on the market than the massive pay-per-view draw that is Nate Diaz? I think he might be bigger than Brock Lesnar at this moment. After this weekend. Maybe leading into the weekend? I don't think so. Okay. But I think it's got to be it's got to be pretty close after this weekend how well it went for him mm-hmm. and I, I I think he's the big I think he's the biggest free agent ever. And so only, I, only go he, ahead. He's in a, he was in a different ecosystem than Brock. So I think Brock is the bigger pure draw, but he had two options. Yeah. WWE right. UFC, right? Like that's and that's what I mean. He's got Brock had two places he could go. Was, could well, go. and to be fair to Brock, those are the only two places that could afford him. Yeah. Right. There wasn't celebrity like celebrity boxing wasn't really a thing back then. Right. Like there wasn't, right. uh, you know, Nate could make more money doing fucking jujitsu matches right now than most people. Then 99 percent of the fighting population could make fighting. And that's what he's saying. Right. You guys get creative. You guys come up with shit because I've spent my I spent the last like 15 years turning myself into a draw in the UFC. Now I'm ready to cash in. So. And it's also been weird watching the relationship between Nate and the UFC and specifically Dana White change the last six months. It's almost gotten better. Even the last six weeks. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. It's, It's one of two things. Either their relationship softened and got better, or it was never that bad in the first place. And when push comes to shove, the money still talks. Because I think Nate still wants that Conor trilogy. He still wants that giant payday that is the Conor McGregor trilogy. The UFC wants it. I'm sure Conor McGregor wants it. Everyone still wants that. And I think that's what Nate was waiting for. He thought, all right, Conor's going to come back from that injury. We'll do the trilogy, and then I'll move on. Conor's like, meh, I'm either going to take my time, or I'm still healing, or you know, I want to stay on this yacht for another month. Whatever the, whatever's keeping Con- uh, Conor McGregor from fighting. It's got to be the most frustrating thing for Nate Diaz because that's what he was waiting for. That's why he finally said, like, fuck it. I'll fight Hamzat Shemaev. Just get me out of this contract. And so, one, Nate wants UFC at that negotiation table, right? He doesn't want to say, fuck the UFC, I'll never fight there again. He wants the UFC at that negotiation table. Not, not just so he can say yes to fighting the UFC, but because he wants the UFC bidding against Jake Paul or Showtime or Triller. Or whatever the hell he wants to do. Well, I think I think Nate Diaz knows 
this, you know, we talked about this last week. He knows the same thing that I know that the longevity and, and the intrinsic, intrinsic values and the, uh, the safe move mm-hmm. is with the UFC. Um, so I don't so. think he wants to, he doesn't. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think he wants to shut that door forever. I think he wants one Jake Paul fight and I bet he'd come back right away. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the only th- uh, real, realistically, that's the only thing he can do right now outside of the UFC. That's going to make him more money. He's got one shot at it. That's it. He's got one. He can get outside, fight Jake. Where else is he going to make more money than he just made? Jake Paul's it. Even if he was to do some other celebrity boxing, who else is going to pay him or or bring in as much money as Jake Paul? Because I can't think of anybody. If he beats Jake Paul, Logan Paul? Yeah, maybe. Depends on how the fight goes. I guess that'd be a kind of a wait and watch and see type of thing. Possibly. Mm -hmm. But I, I think he's got one huge check. And then after that, they're significantly smaller and they're going to get smaller once yeah. the Nate Diaz experiment and the new has worn off to him being outside of the UFC. So maybe he does fight one time and moves back, but I, he can't close that door. He's got to make sure that that door is still open for him to come back to, um, especially if he loses to Jake Paul, which would be, a, would be bad news bears for sure. But I got a also, question. Yeah. I, got a, I got a question. Hopefully I have answers. I have some I, I have some friends. We're talking about the drawing ability and his popularity and his, you know, him being the biggest free agent. What do you think makes, not just Nate, but even Nick, what is your theory on how, like, why they are the way they are? Like, how did the popularity happen? Like, they've always had a great following, but because of their attitudes and kind of their I don't give a fuck thing. But I guess in the last five years, what is that that one thing that it that Sean O'Malley it thing like what is it like how did this happen see I don't think Sean O'Malley has the it I think he just got the Snoop Dogg rub yeah Sean's Sean's like what's the most interesting thing Sean O'Malley's ever said nothing 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 he's really not like his personality is his pink hair and face tattoos right like if I if I had no personality that's what I would do too he got he just got the rub and he's got the look and he got good matchmaking from the UFC the Diaz brothers are who so many people think they are. I do what I want. Give the double bird to my boss. I'm hard as shit. I smoke when I want. Rules don't apply to me. But at the same time, I'm also a martyr. I'm also the underdog. It's also everyone's against me at all times. I'm the victim, yet I'm also the badass. I think that's how so many... You know, if you're if you're riding a job you hate, a boss you can't stand, driving a car that sucks, banging a chick you don't like, friends that hate you, you look at the Diaz brothers and you're like, oh my God, I wish I could say what they say. I wish I could do what they do. I wish I could take a giant rip from a spliff and blow it into a camera lens. Like, those guys are rebels. Those guys do what they want. Those guys represent me. They represent a giant population of conflicted human beings who think they're badass, who think they're the shit, but still feel like a victim and still feel like everyone's against them. They personify that to a lot of people. And Nate wins just enough fights to be the badass in that situation. I think that's exactly why I love the Diaz brothers. I think, and, and I think to add on to what you said, 
I think it's because they also did it when they were broke. Mm-hmm. Like they, like I don't see a different Nate Diaz now than ten years ago. It's just more people are watching now. Yeah. Like I don't think is he's a multi multi millionaire now, but he, for the most part, dresses the same. He, you know, I I have noticed a little. He's got a little more bling around his neck than he used to, but he's you know, like he's still rocking the same fit the same, you know what i mean like he's got the same fucking attitude um and he does everything that it, at, at least at one point in time in my career that i wanted to do i think that's why the fighters like him so much because it's, Kelly, it's tough me- to have a lot of fighters like you it really is as nice as i am lots of fighters hate me um unless dia slaps you you probably don't don't mind him too much Kelly, do me a favor. Look up Nate Diaz's post-fight speech after he beat Michael Johnson. He's like, you took everything I worked for, motherfucker. Um, blah, 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 blah. Right? <laughs> I up, love that one. Look that up. Um, and I'll tell you why in a second. Yeah, I think, I think the Diaz brothers personify what so many people think, right? And that's why, that's why I feel like Nate Diaz doesn't really have MMA fans as his fans. He has a cult as his fan base. That's why he can say things like Khabib's afraid of me and Chimaev is boring and like I'm the best in the world. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Totally. That's exactly it. And you're like, what? <laughs> what, Nate Diaz? Like you've lost three of four. Like you lose to everybody good. Like, <laughs> like I – like what is this? What is this shtick that you have? But he has this. And I, I, I say it all the time. I, I, I don't hate Nate Diaz. I hate his fans because they're just mind controlled, and I, I'm jealous. I wish I had I, the mind control ability that Nate Diaz has over over his fans, over anybody on planet Earth. I I know I bring this up all the time. It bothers me that he is so secretive about who he actually is. Like I think that everything he says is is true like i don't think he's playing i i think nate diaz plays the social media game and then the, I, I think he plays the media like a fucking drum like he's way smarter than people give him credit for like he's definitely playing the game but he's also a pretty good dude like he brings 50 people with him but he takes care of all the people around him you know what i mean like not in a when way he that wins nate- they eat that's for sure exactly Exactly. Like he's, he's, he's always been loyal. Those are probably the same motherfuckers he's been hanging out with his whole life. Um, and I, I, I just gotta, I gotta say it again. Like that motherfucker is a fucking dad. Like he's not this, like maybe he does smoke a lot of, maybe that's why I'm so drawn to him because he is like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck the boss. I'm gonna slap the shit out of every media member who who's talking shit about me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to throw water bottles and shit at Conor McGregor while he's on the stage and then do it to Chimaev too, because it's funny. Um, but like when he's not in the camera, like that dude's just being a girl dad, like he's been with the same chick forever. Like that's fucking crazy to me. The polar opposites of him and his brother. It's insane. So some of the greatest moments in history have like some of the, like the pages of history have turned drastically from speeches. And that's always intrigued me. Like I was a history major in college. I wanted to be a psychology major just because the idea of being able to use my words to influence people and influence masses is the most intriguing thing in the world to me. Like, I don't need an army. I don't need weapons. I don't need political strategy. I can just stand on a microphone. Right? I have to win fights. I can just stand on a microphone. I can just talk into a microphone and implore my will on the masses. 
Nobody did that better than Nate Diaz. If you remember, he lost to Rafael Dos Anjos in 2014. Missed weight, got beat up. He'd lost three of four. Everyone left him for dead. He fights Michael Johnson and wins 29-28 against Michael Johnson in December of 2015, right? At that time, for that fight, he made roughly 20 and 20. 20,000 to show, 20,000 to win. He made $40,000, plus he got fired of the night, 90, right? But at the time, his, his salary was roughly 20,000 to show, 20,000 to win. And then he said this. Johnson, how do you feel about it? Fuck that, Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, motherfucker. I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You know what's the real fight, what's the real money fight is me, not these clowns that you already punked at the press conference. Don't no one wanna see that, you know you beat them already. That's an easy fight. You want that real shit right here. Hey, and I'm not- Unfortunately, we can't talk like that on Fox. Congratulations, Nate, on a spectacular victory. Okay, so at that time, Nate Diaz had only won two of his last five fights, left for dead. And everyone in MMA, I was in the production truck at that time of that speech. Now, I won't say the man's name, but an executive yelled out, as he's cussing on Network Fox, this executive yells, that has to be the dumbest motherfucker in the UFC. And it was literally the opposite. Because that speech got him Conor McGregor. And then he beats Conor and a rematch with Conor McGregor. Back-to-back, pay-per-view headliners, multi-million dollar fights. And then that turned into fighting Jorge Masvidal for a made-up BMF title at Madison Square Garden. And that got him a main event against Tony Ferguson for millions of dollars. That speech made Nate Diaz one of the highest-paid mixed martial arts fighters in history. Because of one performance and the following speech. From one mediocre performance. And people say Nate Diaz isn't very smart. Hey, if I have to be dumb, I'd, be as, I'd love to be as dumb as Nate Diaz. Absolutely <laughs> insane. I think, I honestly, I think a lot of it's his speech patterns. And it's it just, mm-hmm. you know, all right, before we got to go. It is, have you ever heard anybody, the, anybody else that's on team nick diaz army they all fucking talk the same their speech patterns are nightmare it's insane it's insane they all sound like nate nick all of them who's that there's who's that 85er who's that 85er just got submitted by andre petrowski um nick maximov maximov yeah he sounds exactly like like him and fights nothing like him right sounds exactly like a diaz brother it's wild i'm gonna start talking like that Please don't. Good God, please don't. I don't need that more in my life. Is Nate Diaz the biggest free agent since Brock Lesnar? Yeah, for sure. Is he for sure. a bigger free agent than Brock Lesnar? Well, I, th- I think, you know, I think you made a good point earlier. The, the ecosystem and the landscape of the sport is different now than it was then. There was only two places for Brock Lesnar to go. It was the UFC or WWE. There wasn't anyone else that at the time that could afford him or or even take on that caliber of an athlete, um, at least in combat sports. So maybe now, I think if uh, all things considered being the same, I think maybe Brock Lesnar 
was the bigger free agent because he was he, he I think he's he spanned different demographics across two different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you put Brock Lesnar in today's landscape right now, I think Nate Diaz would be bigger. Does that make sense? Because Brock Lesnar was the number one draw in two sports for a time period or two right. things, right? WWE and UFC. He was the number one draw in two things. Nate is like the number two or three draw in like three or four things. So it's kind of right. like what's more valuable, right? Like you can you can you can outgrow your welcome in an industry. Mm-hmm. But if you have multiple in- I'm, I just I just watched that Elvis movie that came out, it's awesome. And how like the dude was just like milking him dry and everything. It's like, "All right, now you're doing concerts. We're just going to milk the audience dry." Now we're going to do movies. We're just going to milk the audience dry. Now we're going to do TV specials. We're just going to milk the audience dry. Nate can do that in more places than Brock can, right? Nate can do celebrity boxing. And the intrigue of him boxing somebody is there because we've never seen him do it before. It's like when CM Punk came to the UFC. Everyone wanted to see his first fight. Like, how's he going to do? Like, we all know how he's going to do. But all the marks and pro wrestling fans were like, oh, let's see how he's going to do. And then we see that he sucks. And all of a sudden, we don't want to see him there anymore. Like, all right, the, the jig is up, right? Nate Diaz in boxing can do Nate Diaz can do that in multiple spots. Like we've seen him in the UFC. And he can be gone just long enough where we want him back in the UFC. Where we want to see that Connor trilogy happen. Because I think I think the UFC knows that that Connor versus Nate trilogy has to happen, and it has to happen in the UFC. There's almost no way for an, a rival promotion to overtake the UFC quickly. But one of those ways is if someone can get Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz together in a mixed martial arts contest somewhere else. That's one of the yeah. few well, I, things I, that can launch a promotion that can actually rival anything. I think that some of that free agent, you, you know, I guess marketability mm-hmm. has to do with partners as well. And I don't, yeah. I, I think that the MMA community as a whole, even the, the semi-casuals, are, are smart enough and more educated at this point that there's more partners for Nate Diaz out there right now. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple he could get in boxing. There's several in the UFC. And I think there's some one-off freaky, you know, kind of freak show shit outside of both of those that, that could do well for Nate. It, Brock Lesnar's not going to be competitive, you know? And again, we're kind of just, we're speaking in, you know, what ifs, but like if Brock Lesnar was to all of a sudden become a free agent, like there's not that many, there's, there's no one that he's going to be competitive with in the UFC. That's that anyone's going to give a shit about. He's not going to heavyweight. Get, I bet you we can find some heavyweights. That's what I'm saying. I no, no, no one that anyone's going to believe. Like, do you think that Brock Lesnar is going to be competitive versus Cyril gone or Francis and or Chris John Barnett. Jones or who wins Chris Barnett for sure. You think for sure? No, I'm saying Chris Barnett for sure. That's a, I would watch it. Oh, yeah. But enough to sell more than Nate Diaz would sell anywhere else. That's what I'm getting at. Could could you sell a Brock Lesnar Francis fight? I mean, maybe, but enough to like more than what Nate Connor or Nate Jake Paul or Nate even Nate Masvidal or you know what I mean? Nate are, are Leon we, Edwards. Are we overselling Nate's options here? Like outside of Nate Connor and Nate Jake Paul, what's the third biggest fight for Nate? 
Because I feel like it's a giant drop-off at that point. I mean, the only uh, – Nate Leon, just because that's all they've, anybody's ever replayed is the, the last final 20 seconds of that fight. The most overrated punch in MMA history. I mean, I don't want to argue with you, but maybe. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. In three of his five UFC fights, he has absorbed exactly zero strikes. In another fight, he absorbed exactly one strike. Only Gilbert Burns could actually give him a fight. Hamzat Shemaev doesn't fight. Hamzat Shemaev only feeds. And even though he went from being a... Oh, get off of that bullshit. 12-to-1 favorite over Nate Diaz... He Come gets a on. Kevin Holland, who's actually in his weight class, actually presents some problems, and he's still making Actually a better matchup. No way. 100%. He would have knocked Nate Diaz out in the first round. No way. Absolutely. Not a chance. 100% what was going to happen. No. The Kevin Nate Holland... Diaz that fought Tony, that, that lost the first round to Tony Ferguson. Was yeah. Gonna, was, was not going to get knocked out by Hamzat Shemaya. I don't, I don't think he gets knocked out. Not in the first I think round. He's named. I think he does. Probably. That's how fight. Sh- that's how more fast dangerous Shemaya on the fights. ground. Nate is more dangerous on the ground. In the and first, Nate Diaz is a fucking. Nate Diaz is a master at finding places to be safe in the chaos. Not against Shemaya. And, he, and he's not. And I, I'm telling you, I don't think Shemaya submits Nate Diaz. I don't think he can. Now, wait, could Shemayev- he maul him and cave his head in for sure? But is it going to yes. happen in the first round? No one's ever done that to Nate Diaz. In the first eight seconds of that fight against Kevin Holland, Chimaev shot for a takedown. Holland Granby rolled, got into the clinch, another scramble, and another takedown. In like 10 seconds. I don't like, think that's Nate how scrambles fast like fights. that. Nate, Nate doesn't. This, the scrambling matchup is always going to favor Chimaev. Always. Nate is positionally smarter than Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland gets himself into messes. All the time in those ground scrambles in transition because he's so free and doesn't give a fuck. He, he ends up in terrible spots like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Nate Diaz, we've never even seen anyone get close to a submission like that on Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. Not in a while. I just think positionally and in, in, just in the jiu-jitsu game, Nate Diaz is far, far superior. I think it's a way – once they get to the ground, I think striking-wise, Kevin Holland has more problems for Chimaev. But grappling, I don't – is he going to control him? Positionally, for sure. Is he going to slice and dice his face up? For sure. But uh, he's not going to just slice through his guard into a submission like that. It's not going to happen. It's almost like Hamzat is bigger than Holland. That's not true. That is 100% true. That is not true. I bet bet Nate Diaz weighed more on fight night than Kevin Holland did. I don't believe that for a second. But about Hamzat Shemaev... It's almost like he's a well-rounded, properly executing mixed martial artist. Where it's like, all right, how many ways can I beat Nate Diaz? Well, here's two ways I can't, so let me do the other four. Right? It's like, how I'm going to fight Kevin Holland is different than how I'm going to fight Nate Diaz. Like, he would just blitz Nate Diaz and knock him out. And Kevin Holland, he's like, I've seen this guy wrestle. 
Let me maul him on the ground. That's my point. It's like, yeah, he wouldn't have done to Kevin Hall what he did in AD. He would have done something else that he's already proven he can do. So you really don't think Kevin Holland is an easier – for his strengths, you don't think Kevin Holland's an easier matchup? I, I, think, I think when Chemayev has the opportunity to wrestle, he's the most impressive. And, that was, and that's what he was going to do against Kevin Holland, right? Like that's, right. I buy that, right? Um, but he's so powerful with his striking, and Nate is so hittable. So hittable. I don't disagree if it was, with if, that part. If it, was safe, like, it wouldn't have been a mauling. It would have just been like a pounding, if that makes sense. Matchups and, and skill set like aside, I still think that in terms of difficulty, I think Kevin Holland is an easier matchup. And I think like, you've been smoking that whatever went, Nate's been smoking. That went exactly the way that I suspected it was going to. Yeah. I was actually really it was actually He started wrestling. a little slower than I thought he was going to. Did you see Kevin Holland hit those two Granby rolls? Those two standing Granby rolls? Oh, those 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 panic freak out moments? Yeah. That's all you can do when you're going against a guy who's ten times the wrestler of you. My dude, his, come on, RJ. It was awesome. As a as a, got fucking, as a wrestler yourself, you don't think you could have just attached yourself? Shamayev did everything wrong in those Granby rolls and still dominated Kevin Holland. You don't go with the Granby roll on someone who can't wrestle. But he did, and he ended up on top. That's what I'm saying. Like, he did it wrong and was still <laughs> dominant. Because it was anarchy, like, right? Like, like Nate Diaz is not going to Granby roll. That's what I'm saying. Like, little sh- yeah. like he's not going to Granby. That's, that's fucking third it's grade It's hard wrestling. to be Granby rolled and you're eating right hands and you're unconscious. I'm saying if you put Nate Diaz in that same situation, he's going to slow the fight completely down and force Tamaya to be technical instead of just letting him do what he does best, which is scramble and be a wrestler. Like, Chemayev didn't even have to dig deep into his bag of tricks to control the Granby roll. Both of mm-hmm. you and I both know that if you're in a, an actual high-level grappling match, that you don't go with the Granby roll and just go with him because you're going to lose that position every single time because they're going to they're go first because they went first, and they're going to get there first, and they're going to turn into you, and they're going to get away. Kevin Holland is so bad at wrestling. Listen, I, this isn't a Kevin Holland shit on session. I love, I love me some Kevin Holland. But he did everything wrong there. And Shemayev did everything wrong in response and still was able to control that position. It's just, that's just a different, it's a different matchup than Nate in, the, in uh, that exact same situation. Maybe he would have attacked, attacked him differently and, and, and did more striking and, and beat him that way. But in the exact same situation, Shemayev has a much tougher time in those positions when Nate Diaz and he does Kevin Holland. All right. Well, regardless of what we think, Shemaya would have done to Nate versus what he did to Holland. He now moves to 12-0 and with 11 finishes. Only one of his fights has been even remotely competitive. Of course, that was Gilbert Burns in April. Now, we're in a weird spot because the UFC is no longer desperate for a believable challenger against Usman. They got the trilogy against Leon. He's only missed weight once, but it was by eight freaking pounds. So what does the UFC do with Shemaya? Next, do does he fight at 170? Does he fight at 185? Do they slow roll him? Do they hold him for a title shot? Do they let him decide what weight class? Do they tell him what to do? What do you think happens next with Chimaev? Well, I think what what I think should happen and what I think are going to happen are completely different things. I I think they run him back again at 170. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's likely what they're going to do. He's going to have 
some sort of, you know, he's going to have a reasoning. He's going to ask for another opportunity to fight there again. They're going to warn him and say, you do this again. You're at 85 forever. Um, and, and I think they run him back at 170. I think there's a lot of matchups down there for him still or up there. You think um, so? I can't think of any. Yeah, I mean, well, let's, well, let me pull the rankings up. I just I, had them. Because that's, that's what I'm wondering is, like, if he stays at 170, they've got to wait for Leon versus Usman, right? That trilogy, whenever that's going to probably w- not tell what, like April, March, April, they do Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, and then whoever wins, you got to wait till this time next year. I mean, like, why do is, you have to roll him right into a title fight? Because I think he's clearly the next guy up. Like, do you think who else is more worthy of a welterweight title shot than so Hasan Chimaev? So okay, so he's beat. I mean, he's beat. I'm just, I'm like, I'm looking at the guys. I've heard a lot of people Gilbert throw out Burns, the idea of him he, uh, fighting Colby Covington. I like Colby Covington. I was just gonna, I was just going there. I, like, I, I think, think that fight makes sense. I think there's zero percent chance Colby accepts it. Zero percent chance. Because he, why? Look at who's, look at who Colby's fought. He doesn't take these fights. He, he, You've never, I've never heard of anybody saying Colby Covington's ever turned down a fight. Then you explain to me why Colby Covington hasn't fought anyone in his prime unless it was a title shot. I think that's, the, I think that's UFC matchmaking because Colby Covington sells. He's fought Jorge Masvidal, journeyman. Who's still, on, who's still t- technically ranked number nine. I mean, you can feel what you feel about him, but he's top we ten. Know. Okay. Journeyman. Woodley on a losing streak. Robbie Lawler, 900 years old. RDA, 900 years old. Damian Maya, 900 years old. I, those are all seemingly fights that nobody else wants. What are you talking about? RDA, RDA is the guy that fights, is the guy that says yes to everybody. That's what I'm saying, and nobody wants to fight RDA. A lot of people just want to fight Robbie fight. Lawler. Okay, I'll give you the Robbie Lawler one. Nobody wants to fight Damian Maya. That's not a fun fight. It's a guy that I, you'll probably beat, but if you slip up one time, he'll fucking choke you unconscious. It's a tough fight. From a fighter's perspective, it, he's like fighting fucking Hodger Gracie or something. Like, you'll probably beat him, but if you fuck up, he's going to choke the shit out of you. Training camp is going to suck. It's going to be nothing yeah, but like it, jabbing from just distance not, and sprawls. Right, it's just not fun. Those, uh, like, to me, those a lot of those are really tough fights. Like Robbie Lawler is not a fun fight. There's nothing fun about going in and having to fight Robbie Lawler. Not- I, I, okay, I would love for Colby Chimaev. I would love for that. I just don't think Colby will accept it. And I would love Robert Whitaker. Choice? I would love Robert Whitaker, Chimaev. Funny you said that because we interviewed um, Robert Whitaker yesterday and asked him about that fight. We're going to air it on Thursday. But we asked him about that, and he was very, very lukewarm about it. Like, he did, he was, 0% of him was interested in fighting Shemaya at 185. Did he Not say why? Kinda. Well, he was very open about how, like, he's fought all these tough dudes. Like, we asked him, like, what do you want to see in the Pareta versus Stylebender fight? He's like, honestly, you want my honest answer? I want them to go to war for 25 minutes, take years off of each other's lives, and then I fight the winner who's been beat up and never the same again, <laughs> which is the, probably the honest answer that most fighters want, but don't say. So with that backdrop, he was kind of like, look, that's a super hard fight. Why would I chase that super hard fight? Like, that's what I got out of it.
MMA Today is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch MMA Today Tuesday through Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.